0: Go to Bluenile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at Bluenile.com for $50 off. Bluenile.com code LISTEN. I will say this about investing. Everything you do learn is cumulative. What I learned at 20 is
1: Welcome to another episode of Equity Mates, a podcast where we will help you learn to invest in 20 minutes or less. We break down the world of investing from beginning to dividend so that you can hopefully make some returns. My name is Bryce, and as always, I'm joined by my equity buddy, Ren. How are you going, bro? I'm very good, Bryce. How are you? Very well. Looking forward to getting stuck into what now has become a tradition. Ask us anything. It's the last episode of the month, the month where we Troll through our social media accounts, our emails, ask us anything for them online and answer all of the tricky, not so tricky, non some non investing related questions to the best of our ability that have come in from our listeners. So um, that's the plan for today.
2: Yeah, can't wait. I, I do enjoy this because, you know, we, for most episodes, we just decide what we're going to talk about. And who knows if anyone is enjoying it. But <laughs> uh, for these ones, at least uh, we don't have to. We don't set the agenda. Yes. So at least one person out there wants to hear each of these questions answered.
1: That's right. Control is taken out of our hand. It's also good that people aren't asking questions that we've directly addressed on the show in most instances. So people are listening to what we're saying, which I think is also good. If we're having people writing in, "What is a dividend?" And then we're like, uh
2: yeah, true, and it's also good that pe- it's good that people aren't asking questions that we don't know how to answer.
1: Yes, yes, because we're geniuses, right? Or,
2: or we're just excluding them from the final pool. <laughs>
1: <Yeah, laughs> true. Anyway, let's not reveal our tactics here. But um, <laughs> so Ren, before we get stuck in. One piece of housekeeping, you and I are both fans. Oh, well, I'm a fan and, and you are as well. Yeah, we both are, I guess, <laughs> of stake. <laughs> uh, you were a slower adopter of, of the platform. Look, you're.
2: I think we can say you're a fan and I'm a user.
1: Yeah, okay. That's a, That's a good way to put it. So between the two of us, we both use Stake. Uh, For those that aren't sure what Stake is, it's a platform that allows you to invest directly in the U.S. stock market. They have an app that allows you to trade stocks and ETFs on the U.S. stock market. Uh, It's only available on iPhone. But the good good news is, as of yesterday, um, well, it is now available on uh, Android phones. So if you have an Android phone and you really want to download this stake app, we encourage you to do so. You can do so now. If you want to sign up to stake and you're a first time user, you can use our code equity mates when you sign up and they will give you 20 bucks when you fund and make a trade on the account. So all Android users out there, it's an awesome app. Um, some great feedback from those that are using it. I really enjoy it. Um, use the code EquityMates, mates and uh, now you can get stuck in trading ETFs and stocks through the United States. So, we move on.
2: We move on.
1: (laughs) First question, Ren, is about ETFs. um, And it's come from James. And he has recently bought a collection of ETFs in Australia, but also owns some tech stocks in the US. He's noticed that there's been price variations over the last... Few weeks between his ETFs and tech stocks, and he now appreciates the upside of stock picking versus the long game waiting period that comes with investing in an index. So he was thinking of doing something similar with his next savings. Uh, he wondered about finding an ETF or interest or e- or industry, sorry, that he thought was worthwhile and offered promising returns. And rather than buying the ETF, he wanted to sift through the companies that were part of that ETF. Um, to look for stocks that he thought were were promising, uh, perhaps using a criteria that he'd come across in Buffetology. So effectively, what he wants to do is look at the list, take out stocks he thinks are good, and then buy those stocks directly rather than um, going through the ETF. He thinks that this might save him some fees and he would love to hear our thoughts on this strategy. So Ren, what are your thoughts on this strategy?
2: So I think simply the answer is, if, if you want to do that, we're not going to stop you. But all of the empirical evidence, all of the studies point to people not being uh, as good as stock pickers as the market. So just be aware that you're unlikely to outperform the market over the long term. But if it's something that you want to do, if it's something that you see is a learning experience, if it's with a pool of money that you can afford to... Uh, lose that that's fine but in terms of if you if you're just chasing absolute returns all of the studies really point to the fact that you probably aren't going to outperform the market unless you are just that really exceptional few if you want to hear more on that our interview with toby carlisle episode 40 odd i think he talks a lot about that and a lot about the studies and the backtesting that's been done and he talks about this concept of, I think it's broken legs or broken windows. I'm going to go with broken legs, but it's essentially this, uh, this in trait that investors have where they use some methodology to get a list of stocks that, that you know, the formula, the algorithm says you should invest in. And then the investor uses their knowledge to say, yeah, but I know that stock has this wrong with it. I know that stock has that wrong with it. And they cross a few off the list. Whenever investors do that, they, or at least whenever investors do that and it's been back tested, uh, they always seem to do worse than if they'd just taken the original list. So look, take that as you will. I I have no problem with people picking stocks, but I think it's just important that they recognize that they're probably handicapping their long-term overall performance if they do so.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Not really much more to add from me, Ren, other than I don't think that the strategy would necessarily save fees i think etfs are a very low cost way of accessing a broad range of stocks effectively if you're going to be choosing stocks i don't know how many he's thinking of choosing but if you're buying in and out of a number of stocks then you obviously got to consider the brokerage that you'll be paying also as you said definitely not going to say no so you can keep doing both but um completely agree that you know, choosing individual stocks without a real grounding in it can be can be one way to lose money quicker than you make. And I also think that if it's only been a couple of weeks or months since you have bought and you're noticing price variations in an ETF versus uh, an individual stock, you need to look at the broader picture. I mean, since September, the market's been falling, broadly speaking, anyway, so your ETF is likely to have gone down. That's not to say that it's because it's an ETF and, and it's not an individual stock. So, just be aware of the overall macro environment that is probably leading to the decline in ETF. And, you know, if you were to pick it sort of 12 months ago, then you probably might not be having this conversation. So, yeah, yes. something to consider as well.
2: Just, sorry, one one thing. You, you would be saving money on fees, but you need to make sure that what you're saving on fees is not being lost in long term performance, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
2: So like if the ETF does ten percent a year and your stock does seven percent a year and you're paying half a percent a year in fees on the on the ETF, you're still better off getting that outperformance.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Cool. Next.
2: All right. Next question for you. This is a this is a straightforward one, hopefully. What
1: is Cyber Monday? Cyber Monday, so something we've just passed, it is known as one the world's, oh, well, probably not the world's because we've got Black Friday as well, but it's an e-commerce term uh, referring to a Monday following US Thanksgiving weekend. Um, and as bricks and mortar stores do with Black Friday, which is what I was referring to, online retailers usually offer massive promotions and discounts and sales on Cyber Monday website only, one day only, although I've noticed that it's now creeping into Tuesday and Wednesday as, as retailers try to extend the rush from from customers, but Black Monday is a massive um, online sales event done by many of the large retailers around the world. generates huge sums of money, although there's a um, competitor now over in China, Singles Day, which I think more than eclipses the sales that are done on Cyber Monday in the US.
2: Yeah, massively. So basically, America has Thanksgiving where they think about how thankful they are for everything and then just has like two days of absolute spending madness. So, yeah. <laughs> easy. <laughs> anyway, that was a pretty easy question. So I'm going to ask you the next one. Okay. From a starting point to end point, how long does it actually take to get shares in your possession? Is it buy and straight into your account?
1: Good question. You never actually really take physical possession of your stocks. You don't get them sent in an envelope. <laughs> um, now, it's a good question, and it it comes down to the order. Um, when you place an order for stocks, um, you're obviously you – there's many ways you can place an order. If you were to do a market order, for example, that means that you're saying, I have $500, and I want to buy – $500 worth of BHP billiton um, at whatever the market rate at the time is. And that is going to be determined by someone on the other side who is willing to sell $500 worth of BHP at, at the market rate as well. And then you will be matched up. So that process is not always instantaneous um, and it gets filled as there's buyers and sellers matched up in, in the market. And then there's another way of placing an order which is a, a limit order, and that is where you set the price that you want to buy the stocks at. So you might say, I want to buy BHP at $15.50, and that means you need to wait for a seller to come along and sell at an agreed fifteen fifty as well. So that process might take a while. So from start to finish, it, it can feel instantaneous if there's enough liquidity in the stock and enough buyers and sellers coming in and out. Uh, you can often get the, the, the order matched pretty quickly in some stocks that don't have many buyers and sellers. And if you're picky with the price that you want, it might take longer. And then the settlement into that account uh, might take longer as well. So it varies. Do you have anything to add to that, Ren?
2: No, I think I think you summed it up. I think the, the long and the short of it is when buyers and sellers are matched, like when there is liquidity, the trade will be made instantly. But then your brokerage might take a few days to settle. Yeah. Yeah.
1: That's certainly the case. CommBank, I think you have a three day settlement period. But you can still act on those shares within the three days. It just doesn't settle yep. um for three days.
2: So yeah, if you want to buy if you want to buy and sell a position within a day, you can do that. Yep. Um but the money let's say you lost five hundred dollars, Commonwealth Bank would take a few days to take that five hundred dollars from you.
1: Yeah, yeah. Not all brokers do that though. No, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, Cool.
2: But you can find that information on your brokerage website. Yeah. Yeah.
1: All right. I'll give you this one, Ren. Sure. What's the difference between the All Ordinaries and the ASX 200?
2: So, ASX two. so they're both indexes and for people who haven't, who aren't sick of us talking about indexes to this point... (laughs) Indexes are the, they're just a, like a, think of them as a basket of stocks. So for, for example, the ASX 200 is the 200 biggest stocks in Australia or that are publicly traded on the ASX and they, um, the index moves as the price of the 200 underlying stocks move. So if all of the stocks in the index move up 2% in a day, the index will move up 2% in a day realistically what happens is all the stocks in the index move at different rates some go up some go down some go up heaps some go down a little bit that all gets aggregated based on the size of the companies in the index usually but for the most part that's how it works and then overall the index will move a certain percentage up or down in a day so yeah so that, that that's the concept the different types of indexes just have different baskets of stocks in them so The ASX 200 has the 200 biggest. The All Ordinaries is another Australian index. It has uh, the 500 largest companies. Uh, So it's a bit confusing that it's the All Ordinaries, but it's not All Ordinary listed stocks. So don't ask me how the naming convention works there. (laughs) Um, uh, But then there are other index in other countries. There's the uh, FTSE 100, which is the 100 biggest English stocks. Uh, there's the Dow Jones which is 30 uh, in America there's the S&P 500 which is the 500 biggest in America so really all indexes conceptually work the same and then it's just about what stocks are in those indexes and then on the margins there's also sometimes the indexes move slightly differently so yeah, if you want to know what is in an index, you can just Google it. If you Googled All ordinaries Index, um, you could see a list of all the companies in the All Lords uh, and they're waiting. Same with any other index.
1: 10 out of 10, Ren.
2: Thanks, mate. <laughs> yeah, look, indexes are obviously, I mean, they're great. You can see how markets move in just one
1: number. Yeah, that's the key. All right, uh, we've got two to go. I'll leave the last one for you, Ren, and this this one here is about superannuation. Well, um, why
2: don't why don't I ask you this one and then you ask me the last one?
1: Okay. Did we want to leave the super one as a full episode though? Because it's probably worth doing.
2: True.
1: Okay. All right. Yeah, yeah. So we received a question about superannuation around how to make extra contributions, risk profiles, comparisons, and and that sort of stuff. Great question so much so that we will do a full episode on it. So hang 10 uh, to the listener out there who asked and uh, we will make sure that early next year we will address this because it's uh, something we haven't necessarily talked in detail about on the show but it's it's certainly um, in the realm of investing in, and worth chatting to in, in more detail. So that's what we'll do, Ren.
2: So yeah, but given that the episode won't be out until the new year, given our Christmas break is coming up,
0: Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com.
2: Just like less than a minute sort of thing, like things that you keep in mind.
1: Honestly, just so- sign into your superannuation account and have a look at what's going on and then compare that to one or two other superannuation accounts there's you just need to understand what you're paying for in your superannuation account are you paying insurance fees what sort of stocks are you invested in can you change easily you know and have a look at the portfolio construction that you're in and have a think about if that's something that you think is going to be beneficial long term um and then you can go from there
2: yeah nice i think my general rule is everything that we talk about in this podcast about normal investing you can apply to your super. It's obviously a long-term investment, so you want to uh you want to minimize your fees. You want to be contributing regularly from a young age and uh you want to be in you want to be pretty aggressively positioned in sort of stocks rather than uh, less uh less uh less high-performing long-term investments. So yeah, just think of it it's just another investment vehicle. The main thing is fees. If you can if you're in a high fee superannuation account get out of it. Um and then stay tuned for our episode in the new year where we'll break it down a little bit more.
1: Nice. So, final question Ran and this came in at the 11th hour. Question of the month and it's a big question one Question of so the month. Wanna... Is
2: that is that a new award we're doing? <laughs>
1: Yeah, absolutely. Okay, there you go.
2: Congratulations to our uh, inaugural winner.
1: <laughs> so it's a big one. If if I'm not going to read nah, the full thing, cliff, out.
2: cliff Notes version, just summarise <laughs> it.
1: Yeah, I'm not going to read the full thing. Anyone can read it on our website. However, essentially, he's invested in Woodside Petroleum, and after looking at it in a bit more detail, realised that the split between natural gas and oil production wasn't what he thought it would be. They did more natural gas. Um, Since September, the price of Woodside's stocks have been dropping. And despite uh, the gas price going up, which is the majority of Woodside's production, the share price has been dropping. He can't understand why the good news of natural gas going up in price is outweighing the bad news in oil going down in price um, and wants to know why it's gone from $39 to $31. Ren, yeah, do you have an answer?
2: I do, but I want to caveat that um, we haven't done a lot of research into the company. So, if people want to call us out for being wrong, that's fair. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, and just just but cutting it. Beware, cutting
1: you're going to be calling out the big Ren master <laughs> <of> this, so. <laughs>
2: No, so um, what 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 I think's happened here is the despite the natural gas price going up what has happened is there's a specific project that potentially has fallen over for Woodside and that's what's led to the price decline so there's a massive natural gas field between Australia and uh, uh, Timor-Leste East Timor and it's called the Sunrise Gas Field Uh, it's, it's literally been a sticking points since East Timor became independent, like the Howard government were in negotiations with the East Timorese government back in the day. Uh, it's still going on and some news broke. So Woodside topped, it looks like fourth or fifth of October and some news broke around that time, which is likely the reason the price has fallen since then. The Sunrise Field was uh, a joint venture between four oil and gas companies and um, I had them written down. Don't know where I wrote it down, but it's, uh, it was Shell, uh, Woodside, uh, an American mob, um, Konoco Phillips, and someone else who I can't find where I've written it down. Um, Osaka Gas. So these four energy companies were going to develop it. And uh, in theory, it was a lot easier to extract the gas back to Australia. The East Timorese government aren't too happy with that. They want the gas to be extracted and piped to East Timor to create an industry up there. Long story short, the East Timorese government bought out uh, 30% of the project a few months ago. And then uh, in early October, they bought Shell's um, 25%, 26% share of the project. And uh, they're insisting that the gas gets piped up to East Timor there are questions about the viability of that as a project and whether whether they will be able to ex- actually extract and process and sell the gas. And the Sunrise project is a pretty big project in terms of Woodside's uh, future pipeline, pun intended. Um, <laughs> so I think, I think from a quick look, I think that's what's led to the price declining. I think obviously they're heavily exposed to the, natural gas and the oil markets and the prices in those markets. But I think this has been driven more by uh, their future pipeline pipeliner projects uh, potentially drying up. Well, one of their major projects drying up.
1: Impacting future revenues.
2: Yes, yes.
1: Good answer, Ren. I, obviously, we're not 100% sure that that is the correct answer that's led to all of the drop in price, but it sounds very likely that it's you know, on investors' mind and contributed to a significant proportion of it. Um, So it's not good news for Woodside with oil and not good news for their future pipeline of gas as well. So a massive shout-out and thank you to Terry, James, um, Harriet and Sue who have all written in and asked questions. If you want to ask and be mentioned and and get your question on our next Ask Us Anything, which will be January Ren yeah end of january end of jan because we are taking a christmas break um hit us up social media all the all the all your your usual pipes and then also on our website www.equitymates.com ask us anything there's a forum there where listeners are hitting us up and we'll uh, endeavor to do the best we can to answer all of your questions so unless you have anything to add ren we'll leave it there and we've got uh book week next yeah can't wait
0: equity mates and the people appearing in this program may have positions in the companies mentioned this is general advice only please speak to a financial professional to understand how they pertain to your individual situation imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt now imagine them getting even softer over time